Greetings and welcome to episode number 23 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Dwork, and on this episode, we'll be going to hockey school to learn all about the Florida Panthers' new general manager, Bill Zito, a man with a reputation as an up-and-coming hockey executive that has long been considered for vacant general manager positions. Now, Zito becomes the 11th GM in Panthers history and the first one hired from outside the team since Dale Talon first came aboard all the way back in uh, 2010. Uh, Zito's new job is very possibly one of the most difficult in the NHL, to write a, a Florida Panthers ship that has gone so far off course that if the earth was flat, it would be floating off in space somewhere by now. Uh, for all the attention that Zito's reputation as a business guy and negotiating guru have been given, make no mistake, this is a hockey guy at heart. He played the game all while growing up, he played four years Division I college hockey at Yale, and then he was an assistant coach for the D1 Wisconsin Badgers while he was attending law school in Madison. So it really came as no surprise to those that know him that after learning the ropes as an attorney once he graduated law school, Zito started his own sports agency and began representing hockey players. That led him to meeting another young agent with executive aspirations in Jarmo Kekalainen, the current GM for the NHL's Columbus Blue Jackets. The pair met during the 1995 World Hockey Championships in Sweden and began a friendship and working relationship that lasted for the next two decades and into still today. When Kekalainen was hired to be the GM for Columbus back in 2013, he told me that one of the first calls he made was to his old friend Billy. And as Kekalainen explained, and you'll hear it for yourself in a little while, it didn't take much to convince Zito to leave the agency that he built into one of the best in the world and begin working towards his ultimate goal of becoming an NHL GM. Fast forward to present day, and the Panthers have found an intelligent, passionate, Extremely hard-working hockey aficionado who, uh, who understands both elements of the game, the player side and the executive side, and also how to balance both schools of evaluating players, analytics and scouting. Now, one potential bump in the road could come with Zito's well-known no-nonsense negotiation skills. Uh, he, he's a guy that tries to keep things as impersonal and data and number-driven as possible, but trying to keep things from becoming personal can sometimes rub people the wrong way, which in turn has the exact opposite effect that Zito is looking to avoid. It's very possible that the league-wide view of Columbus as a place that players and agents can have a tough time in contract negotiations, that reputation could follow Zito to Florida. One thing Panthers fans should note about Zito and his history with signing players is that he's not searching for guys that look a certain way or have a particular body type or play a specific style. Zito knows how to judge a player in terms of where he fits into the brand of hockey that his team is trying to execute on the ice, which will mesh well with the Panthers and head coach Joel Quenville's defensive puck possession systems that he's been trying to implement over the last year or so in Florida. Something else that Zito in the Columbus front office has been doing for a while now is bringing in high-character players, players with pride and guys who understand how hard they must work at all times in order to succeed at this level. So don't expect to see any like prima donnas in the Panthers dressing room moving forward. It'll certainly be interesting to see how Zito attempts to stamp his brand on the franchise right out of the gate, as the expedited 2020 offseason will have an NHL draft and free agency signing period beginning almost simultaneously in early October. So as I took myself to Billy Zito's school in the weeks after he was hired in Florida, I spoke with several people who either know him personally, worked with him, or covered him in the media just to gain a better understanding of the man charged with taking the Panthers franchise to a level of respectful relevance, not seen in decades or if ever, really. Uh, 
I recorded a few of those conversations for the podcast, and the first one is with the amazingly talented and knowledgeable Allison Lucan of The Athletic. All right, we're here on the Chirping the Cats podcast. Joining me now is a contributor to The Athletic and a co-host of the hilarious Too Many Men podcast, uh, Allison Lucan. Thank you so much for joining me today, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, so the reason I brought you on today, obviously, you have a, a bit more knowledge uh, than most on the new Florida Panthers general manager, Bill Zito. So uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, just what was your uh, your first thought when you saw that he was being hired as the Panthers, considering he's so long been considered, uh, it's not if, but when he was going to be a GM? Yeah, I think that that right there was was my immediate thought is that, you know, he finally found the right opportunity. The timing was right. Um, this has been a dream of Bill's. Um, he talked about that, I believe, yesterday in his press conference with the Panthers as well. He's taken so many of the right steps to get here. And it's just, I'm just really excited for him. I think it's going to be really cool to watch him finally take the reins of an organization and see what he does and how he kind of puts his thumbprint on, on what the Panthers are all about. Now, one of the, the kind of cornerstones when you speak to guys about Bill Zito is that he is like the hardest working guy in the room by far. So I'm curious, just uh, from your perspective of kind of watching the progression of his career, how did that hardworking mentality factor into his ability to go from, you know, being hired in 2013 to now running a team? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think it goes back to even before that, right? I mean, this is a man who founds his own agency, um, builds an incredibly diverse and talented stable of players um, that he works with and then says, you know what, I don't know enough. I'm going to jump inside an organization. I'm going to really think about what I need to do um, to work my path and then takes on leadership of the AHL organization back and forth to Cleveland. One thing I can say about this front office um, led, you know, previously by John Davidson and also by Yarmo Kekalainen, very hands-on, very involved. And that right there to me speaks to their degree of commitment, the amount of time and work that they put into working with their teams. And then for Bill to be doing it with two at the same time um, also speaks to that. He was always willing um, what, to do whatever you needed, whether it was take an interview on a game day um, when he's you know traveling with the team or uh, speak at a conference that we were hosting at the arena, always willing to go the extra step. And I think that that again speaks bundled with his passion for this role that he's finally taking um, for a really successful time for him. Now, we know that he's a great negotiator from his time as an agent and, you know, he, he became the guy that did the negotiating in Columbus, but one part of his game that I'm curious to learn about, or part of his uh, prowess, I guess you could say that I'm curious to learn more about is uh, his knowledge as kind of a scout, his knowledge uh, or his, his eye for talent. That's something that even as an agent, you need to have a lot of these, you know, it's not just that anybody can get an agent, they choose their clients. So I'm curious, obviously, he's at the business side of it. But um, from your perspective, um, his hockey eye, how is that? Yeah, and I think you hit on it. First and foremost, you look at the players he was able to um, discover, and he would defer that credit, of course, to the player, but to bring in and kind of introduce to the league and really pump their tires and get them noticed as they should have been. That speaks to his talent. And I think, you know, he mentioned this yesterday, I believe, with the Panthers, but you look at that Cleveland squad under his first year as GM and the talent that graduated into the NHL and has stuck in the NHL, 
coupled with some of the talent he brought into Columbus, a player like Nathan Gerby speaks to sparks to mind for me. Um, this is a guy that's easily dismissed because he had maybe fallen out of the favor at the NHL level, a smaller player. Bill Zito says, I know that we can bring this guy back from Europe, give him an opportunity and a huge part of the Blue Jackets push this year, an unconventional player that maybe many would overlook. So I think there's so many examples, particularly in free agency, when you look at the kind of talent that the Blue Jackets have had to bring in that speak to his eye. And I, I again, appreciate he's always looking for more information, be that data, be that the importance of the eye test. Um, he has shown to me that he not only can identify talent, but he can identify talent that fits with a team identity and, and the way that the team is trying to play. So I think he's, he's definitely proven that with Columbus. It'll be, that's why I'm excited to see the identity he really refines with this Panthers group. So you hit on a couple of things there that I actually want to get into. The one part of it is uh, what you just said, how he doesn't necessarily, he looks to find the guys that fit with the team, not just looking for like a specific kind of player, which I think uh, if you look at just the way that the Panthers have brought in talent, whether via the draft or free agency over the last decade, you, you kind of notice a trend in the kind of player that was brought in. And it's not the kind of player that's been the up and coming brand. Nowadays, you see the smaller, faster skill guys that are becoming more successful, whereas maybe 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't the case. So in, in terms of that, I like what you said that he, he kind of keeps a broad scope of things and that's really a very modern mindset. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think that again, you look at, I talked about his building kind of that Cleveland organization and he had to step away a little bit. He had some family health issues he managed over this past year, which again, a testament to, to who he is and the, the work he would put into not only his job, but his family. Um, but you look at how much of that Cleveland talent much of which came to exist under his leadership and of course, full credit to um, the current GM of the Cleveland Monsters, Chris Clark. But those players being able to seamlessly plug in at the NHL level, again, speaks to that saying, how does our organization play? Not just this team, not just this NHL team, but how are we building the pipeline and developing the pipeline so that they become part of this identity? So I, th I think that, that seamlessness um, might be unnoticed, particularly in a smaller market like Columbus, but a huge credit to the work that Bill Zito did seeding that organization in, in the AHL building up to this year. When you, you talk about that, he knows how to see a guy that maybe passes the eye test in addition to looking into the numbers, which I feel like that's the combination that really you need to find that middle ground of looking at the analytical side, but then also being able to judge the eye test. It's the, the best phrase I like to use. Um, so in terms of Bill, how is he... At, as far as meshing the analytical side of, of analyzing uh, young talent and meshing that with, um, with guys that pass the eye test. Yeah, I think that one of Bill's biggest strengths is that he's always welcoming and open and wanting to digest new information. Be that you know additional film on a guy, be that data that's driven from an analytical perspective. I think he's got the right perspective in terms of balancing both. He doesn't say, oh, data is terrible. And he doesn't say only data is what we go on, right? So you need both. I think he leverages both. And I think he is always hungry to find the best information. That's the combination I like to see personally. I don't want to see just one extreme or the other. We need data to validate the eye test. We need eye test to validate the data back and forth. So I think he's open to it. He knows that it's a necessity in today's NHL. Um, and he's going to use what he finds to be the best and most applicable, balance it with what he sees, what his scouts see, what the other people in the organization see, 
and make the right decisions. So in terms of um, communicating with the scouting department, because um, that, that's such a big part of it as well, um, how has that, that kind of synergy worked with him and the department in Columbus as um, coming here to Florida? It's a pretty diverse group. It's very kind of split down the middle with you've got your analytical guys and then you've got your, your old school scouts here. So I'm curious like how, how he was with the scouts there, maybe if we can anticipate him bringing in some of his own guys perhaps. Yeah, you know, obviously someone like me isn't sitting in the organization's scouting meetings, but um, we've seen under Jarmo Kekalainen's leadership as well, always a big trust in the scouting group. Um, you know, I could see Bill potentially bringing in some guys he knows because I think that that trust is what allows you to then trust the scouts to build on the analysis they do. That's why you pay them, of course, is to do all the hard work so that you can make the decisions. Um, I think that working with someone like Jarmo Kekalainen, also well-revered for his scouting abilities. Obviously, there's another Kekalainen in Florida as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that experience is going to help Bill continue to listen to the right voices, build the team that he wants. And, and I don't see him as one of these guys that's going to override scouts, right? I think he's, again, going to listen to the information, um, try and guide the team development, so that the right decisions can be made. We've, we've not heard of strife in the scouting group um, while Bill has been here, while, while Yarmo has been here, and I think that speaks to all of their leadership. Well, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, the, the family issue that uh, came up with him a couple of years ago, and kind of reading into that over the last couple of days, uh, it, it's really touching to see how he took this family tragedy of his wife being diagnosed with breast cancer and kind of turning it into this inspirational, not just like a message, but like a mission. Like mm -hmm. he, he went on this crazy bike ride and he's, and that spurned into just all, all this other charitable work and kind of reaching all these different people. And, and it just seems kind of an amazing thing for somebody who was already taken on so much in his life to be able to succeed uh, with, with that personal strife going on. Yeah, you know, I was, I was honored to be with my colleague, Aaron Portsline, as, as we were working on that story with Bill. Um, and what's remarkable is, you know, we spoke already about his work ethic. What's remarkable is taking, taking the time to fit in one more thing. Um, you know, he's already got his, his job with a hockey or a professional hockey organization. He's obviously caring for his family, both his wife and his children. He has other family members who were also in a battle, some sadly losing a battle right around these same times, and then says, I need to do something. I need to help make an impact on this fight. And, and what I think maybe gets lost in this is, so what Bill did, for those who don't know, is there's a large um, race here in Columbus that's known nationwide as one of the largest and biggest fundraisers in the country in terms of bike rides called Pelotonia. And there are different distances. And Bill committed to ride 100 miles, um, which is impressive in and of itself. But he did it, I want to say, like five weeks before the event, which is just insane. Um, I've cycled, and, and that's an insane timeline to make that commitment. So again, speaking to his dedication, speaking to his, I will get to my goal-ness, if that's a technical term, um, it was really impressive to see what he did. And, and then to take a personal struggle and turn it into something that is a goal that benefits so many, he sought to be the individual who raised the most in Pelotonia history. Um, and that doesn't benefit him, that benefits all of the survivors and, and those who are in treatment um, through the James Cancer Hospital here in Columbus, Ohio, that serves so many around the world. And he did that. He accomplished that goal and then kept going and kept going and kept going. And he continues to be an advocate for that cause. Um, there's a lot he does even behind the scenes that, that we don't write about and that we don't talk about publicly. So 
again, I think it speaks not only to the kind of person he is in terms of what he can get done and how he achieves his goals, but the humanity in him and, and how he really sees um, what's important, even in the scope of running a, a massive NHL organization. What I've found really kind of interestingly awesome, if that you know, I can kind of make up a term about that, was when he took on that goal, when he set that goal for himself, he reached out to the organization because he wanted to know what the most they'd received from a single donor was. So he had a mark that he wanted to break. And just kind of being able to take a situation like that where you're doing something for such, a, such an important and personal reason and, and to kind of add that competitive aspect to it, it just it kind of blew my mind a little bit in the moment when I read that because it really gives you insight into what kind of person this is that's coming to the Florida Panthers. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I think it speaks to, again, that insight into who he is and he understands the athlete mind. I mean, we know that these athletes are so drive, driven by competition. That's how coaches build practices. That's how training camp is built. Um, and so we see that insight. And then what's really cool is, again, Bill did so much to thank those who supported him after. Um, he allowed his story, his, listen, if it was my first time riding 100 miles, I certainly wouldn't let a local TV crew document my story because you don't know. But he shared that. He allowed the local Fox Sports station to share his story through video. Um, he held events to thank those who donated to him. He brought his family together to remember those that they had lost that year, but also celebrate his wife and her battle. And it is, it's just, a, it was a really cool thing to see. Um, not, like I said, not only how he did it, um, but the way he accomplished it and what it says about him and, and how how he really centered and elevated a, a, a tremendously important cause for so many of us um, and also his wife. It kind of is a testament to the, the way that he's able to establish really important relationships with people, whether it's people he's known for his entire life or people he's just now getting to know through these organizations and through these efforts that he's going through. And uh, it always kind of, I always take that right back to like where the, the core of it in terms of what he does, which is his relationship with the players. And for him particularly, considering his background as an agent, I would imagine that he has maybe not the best of all, at all times, but certainly some unique, I'm trying to think of the word, just like some endearing, perhaps, um, if I can, lack of a better term, uh, in relationships with his players. Yeah, and you know, again, we're not, per, as members of the press, we are certainly held at arm's length for some things. But, um, you know, it, like I mentioned before, we always saw the front office, which included Billy, around this team, in the locker room during practices, visiting with the coaches after games, talking things through, they were present. And I think, you know, this is my read on it. I've never asked this question, but when you're present, it makes those conversations that you might have to have later, both good and bad, easier to have because you're not all of a sudden popping in out of nowhere and the big boss coming from on high. And so I think that he understands how to be a boss of a team and build relationships as a boss of a team. But to your point, I think his experience as an agent also allows him to understand what their needs are, what motivates them. And now he can balance that with, but I also understand what the organization might need and what, how we need to come together in the middle. So yes, I think um, it's been unique for me to see how present um, they were all in terms of the front office. And I think, again, I think that's a big positive in terms of the long-term relationships you have with your players when you when you discuss the good and the bad yeah for sure it's it's always important just to be able to have that open line of communication regardless um the last thing i want to ask you about before i let you go um i know that you in particular uh know the coach in columbus fairly well you've done a bit of work uh, on his expertise on his on his way of doing things 
So I'm curious as far as uh, his relationship with Bill Zito, like the way that their interactions were, because coming to Florida, a slightly different head coach in Joel Quenville, certainly um, somebody with as much prestige around him, perhaps not for the same reasons, but um, towards one of the best coaches around. So going from one of those to the other, um, what's his relationship in like uh, from the GM to the coach or his role? Yeah. And, you know, it's something I haven't talked to Billy about as much, um, but we have asked Yarmo Kekalainen about it. And, you know, with Yarmo as the leader there, I would assume that this is what holds true for that whole team. And the little I've seen of that team interact, I would say this holds true. Like I mentioned, that front office staff was always present um, with the coaches, always communicating. And a big tenant of that is honesty. Um, they can have it out, both good and bad, um, but it's built on respect. And I think that, as, as you said, this is a, a assistant GM and now a GM dealing with two very established coaches. And he understands how to deal with someone of that stature, provide them the respect they've rightly earned, but also feel comfortable challenging and feel comfortable managing the conflict that comes up in any job, right? I mean, any two people in any job, like particularly in hockey like this, they're going to spar. But I think Billy has experience handling that conflict professionally, working it through to a constructive end and allowing a strong personality and established coach like Q do what he needs to do, um, but also sharing his thoughts and concerns along the way. It's, it's, it's funny, you, that's a great question because if, if Bill needed a proving ground, not that he did, he certainly got it with torts. <laughs> right? If he's had to sow his oats uh, getting up to this job, he certainly had to do it with, um, with torts as well. Um, but Allison, I, I just want to thank you so much. I'm so grateful that, uh, that you were able to take a little time and I certainly appreciate you providing some insight uh, into the Panthers' new GM. Uh, so thank you so much again for, for coming on today. Absolutely. It was great to have you reach out and, and know that particularly people like me, but so many of us are rooting for you guys and watching to see, um, like I said, the mark that Bill Zito leaves on the Florida Panthers. Awesome. Thank you. My next chat for the pod was with Allison's colleague at The Athletic and one of my favorite hockey journalists to follow, Aaron Portsline. Now, over the years, he worked fairly closely with Zito on a few excellent stories, and I suggest checking him out with The Athletic. So I knew Aaron could bring some additional insight into the conversation. So here's my chat with him. All right, we're back on the Chirping the Cats podcast once again as we uh, dive into uh, the new Panthers GM, Bill Zito, and now joining me for a chat to uh, provide a little bit of insight into uh, Bill's past and what Panthers fans can expect is uh, Columbus Blue Jackets writer for The Athletic, Aaron Portsline. Aaron, thank you so much for taking a little time on the podcast today, man. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for asking me. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, uh, one of the first things that I wanted to ask you, um, just as you've been kind of following Bill's journey from when he started there up until now, um, how, how can you describe that to going from, you know, an agent and kind of a negotiation specialist to now running an NHL franchise? Yeah, well, there's a lot there, right? And I think, you know, honestly, it's a, a leap that's been made before. So uh, I think if, if it's something you wanted to do, you could certainly see how others have done it. First of all, you have to divest yourself from the agency because the league won't allow you to work in a front office if you still have um, financial interest in players' contracts. So, you know, how signing bonus – agents get a percentage of the player's contract. And it, I, it, in most cases, it's not lump sum. So you divest yourself from all future earnings um, from the contracts that you've signed, which can be a tricky business. 
and I think most of these guys in the short term would take a significant financial hit. So you're doing it. Um, it's certainly not as difficult as people uh, starting to get into pro sports and, you know, sharing an apartment with people till they're 30 years old, and barely making any money, but doing it for the love of the game and the hope of a bigger role. It's not that, uh, but you're taking a big financial hit to get into a front office because you really want to be on that side of it. And that's what drove Bill Zito uh, to make the switch. You know, and I think a front office is interested in a guy like Bill Zito or a longtime agent because, especially in the salary cap era we live in, negotiating contracts is such a huge part of this now, um, especially for a franchise like Columbus, like Florida. A bad contract can just really, really set you back um, for for years. And so it's important The Blue Jackets um, and Yarmo Kekalainen made the offer to Bill Zito. Bill Zito's been friends with Kekalainen for years. So there are people in the league that when Yarmo Kekalainen uh, took the job in Columbus thought, well, it's just a matter of time now before Bill Zito makes the leap. And Bill Zito spent the last seven years getting an enormous amount of experience on this side of it, the, the team side of the business. And I think most people around the league agree that he's a guy who's ready for the next step, ready to now run his own, his own roster, his own franchise. And you talk about the importance of constructing those contracts uh, for the long-term viability of the team. And I think one of the big differences based on what I've been learning about Bill and the guy he's replacing in Dale Talon, Bill, he's got a negotiation as like a fierce negotiator and people know when you're dealing with Columbus, you're, you're not going to have the easiest time. Whereas with Talon, he gave out a lot of player friendly contracts that maybe the team is uh, being anchored down by a little bit now. So it seems like the Panthers are sending a message almost to the players and agents around there that things are, are going to be a little bit different now in, in South Florida. Yeah. And maybe, and that can also go, um, both ways, right? Like, I, I think you have to be careful with that reputation. They're very clear about it here. They, 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 um, they always say, if you are a restricted free agent without arbitration rights, we have the hammer and we're going to use the hammer. Now, most teams feel that way and don't feel the need to articulate it publicly. It's one of those sort of inglorious things you don't need to necessarily say. Um, if you're a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, well, then you've got a little bit of a hammer. And if you care to use it, we'll go to arbitration. But if you're UFA, hey, here's our best offer, blah, 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 blah. You know the drill. Um, they have had some contentious negotiations here. And maybe there's a benefit, uh, an unspoken benefit with some agents in future contracts where they go into it saying, you can't play Columbus. Um, don't even try to, to get cute with these guys or play the long game because they're not going to cave. So maybe that benefits them a little bit. But I, I will say, I, I think it's done some damage to them as well because it has, it, has, it has brought the end of relationships with certain players. Ryan Johansson's situation never got better here in Columbus and he ended up being traded to Nashville. Now they do that trade again in a heartbeat, Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, but it, that did great damage to the relationship that they never really got over. Like that, that hung with them well after that contract was negotiated. The Josh Anderson 
situation got really ugly a couple of years ago. He missed all of training camp and it's been a different relationship ever since. I'm not saying it's over. There are lots of people around the league who think, who think Josh Anderson's played his last game for the Blue Jackets. I'm not sure of that now. Um, but yeah, it, it comes at a cost. There, sometimes it's not a financial cost. Sometimes it's a relationship cost. So I, th- I think there has to be a happy medium there and you got to be careful with it. And you, you talk about some of the, the talent that Columbus has seen kind of depart. And recently, like, you know, you go back to season before the one that is currently going on, Bobrovsky, Panarin, uh, Matt Duchesne was there, all gone now. And you could argue that they, they didn't really skip a beat and had perhaps even a better regular season. Uh, a team that's been so consistently solid for a while now, like obviously a lot of the credit will go to the head coach and torts, but how much of that credit goes to the world that Zito and the front office, Yarmo Kekalainen have kind of put together in Columbus? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it starts first and foremost, of course, with the players, with a, a very proud group of players here that, uh, and I think, I think athletes like this, the longer I do this, the more it, it seems clear to me that there's no greater motivation, not money, not nightlife, not women, not fast cars. The greatest motivation for any athlete is to be told you can't do something or you're not good enough. I think that's just bigger than all of them almost combined. And so this team, this team has never played better than when people doubts them. And so you saw it before Panarin got here. You saw it certainly after Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky left. They were left for dead. And there's a, there's a group of players in that room that just will not accept that. They've never tanked, David. It's the, like the worst business plan ever. They're surrounded by teams, Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, Toronto, that have been buoyed by number one overall picks. And you think of Florida's kind of similar, I guess, too, where you think of how bad the Blue Jackets have been historically, and they've never had a number one overall pick that they didn't trade up to get, Rick Nash. They, they yeah. were third that year and moved From up Florida. to one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's a proud group of players, but of course the front office deserves some credit for putting those players in place. They've built the team that way. Those are the kind of guys that Jarmo Kekalainen is drawn to. Of course he likes skill. Of course he likes size. But the one thing that, that he has a knack for finding as a scout are players who are incredibly driven and passionate about playing hockey. And you know what? I think one thing we've learned too is if you are an NHL team that cares and competes in November, you can really make some hay against teams that are just kind of warming up and not really in the, in the gears of the season yet. Um, and so it, it's an impressive group of guys. They need some help. Uh, but yeah, Bill Zito deserves a lot of credit. I think that's probably his first challenge in Florida. There's talent in Florida. I know people may doubt that based upon some of the results, but there is elite level talent in Florida. He, it's building up the other side of it. It's, it's the adding the character, adding the compete, getting those forwards to defend as hard as they try to score, getting the, the defense to, to buckle up. Sergei Bobrovsky is seeing an entirely different style of play in front of him than he did in Columbus. Um, that's got to change. Maybe Bill Zito can help him get there. 
Yeah, it's a good fit, you would think, with the, the style of play that you've seen Columbus play and the style that you know Quenville one has been trying to implement here in South Florida, the, the defensive, possess-the-puck style. So you have to think that Yarmo, or pardon me, uh, that Bill is coming in uh, to, to a situation that he can probably help out. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, just for all the years that you've covered Bill and Yarmo and that, and that team, can you think of like one story that you constructed and put together that kind of encapsulates the kind of person and executive that Bill is? Well, there's been a few, I don't know if there's one specifically, cause there's, there's many layers to the man. He's an interesting cat. He's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he was the bat boy. You're not old enough to remember this, David, but the Milwaukee Brewers used to be really good. Um, <laughs> And there was a, they went to the World Series one year. Um, they were- For the early first, 80s? Yeah, 86, maybe it was 80, 83, maybe it was the, they were Harvey's wall bangers back then. But anyways, Bill Zito was the bat boy. No way. Yeah. So he was actually the bat boy for the World Series Milwaukee Brewers. That's correct. He was- That's amazing. So that's the sort of first indoctrination into big time sports. He played hockey at Yale. He went overseas as an agent. He, he has coached hockey. I mean, there's a lot going on there. The one thing about him that, so I, I think the first challenge, as I said earlier, is to build up the this, this sort of character side of that team. And I suspect he'll be active and aggressive and, and bringing in very much character type forwards, guys who can still play, of course, but who, who bring a certain fabric to the roster. But the other side of Bill Zito, and, and I wrote a couple of stories about it, I probably could have written several more, is when he finds something off the ice that he can sink his teeth in, something that allows him to use the power of his chair to enhance or to publicize something for good, he will not only do it, but stop at nothing to maximize it. So there's a big bicycle race here every year called the Pelotonia. And his wife, uh, Julie, who's a wonderful person, was diagnosed with cancer. This would have been a couple of years ago now. And he wants to ride in Pelotonia. He feels helpless, as many spouses do <clears throat> in that situation. And he wants to ride in the Pelotonia. He wants to raise money. But Bill Zito doesn't want to just raise money for Pelotonia like Aaron and David and others would do. He wants to know what's the all-time record for an individual raising money in the Pelotonia. He says, it's about $120,000 for an individual. He says, okay, I want to go for $130,000. And he raised well over $130,000 um, for Pelotonia, which raises millions of dollars for cancer research every year. Great cause. Another scene uh, shortly thereafter of a young woman in Columbus named Molly Oldham, O-L-D-H-A-M. I wrote a story about her as well, who has just this incredible singing voice. And before she's off to college, she's diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so Bill Zito finds out about this girl, finds out that she's a Blue Jackets fan, finds out that she's a wonderful singer. And Molly Oldham goes through all of her treatment, starts to feel better, starts to recover. And who sings the national anthem uh, on at, at the Blue Jackets game on Cancer Awareness Night than Molly Oldham? And I'm telling you, of course, games are important in the National Hockey League, but the highlight of that night was the national anthem. There were lots of people with without dry eyes in the house after that. She was incredible. Um, hockey fights cancer night, I should say. 
So he does a lot of stuff like that. He's going to do, my guess, even more stuff like that in his chair as general manager of the, of the Florida Panthers. All these NHL teams do outreach. I think Zito takes it to another level. Um, so that's just a sort of a glimpse at him beyond the hockey executive that you can expect to see. Yeah, he really does come across a guy that, that wears his heart on his sleeve, which may be not as common for, for somebody who does a job that requires kind of a consistent poker face all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was actually reading up, uh, you know, doing my homework on Bill over the past few days. And when I read the article about, um, I can't think of her first name, um, the, the girl that sang the national anthem, Oldham. Molly. Molly. Um, yeah, I mean, I was like tearing up reading that story. Like, it's really amazing and inspiring to see that somebody with his position, such a busy life, such a busy job that takes up so much of your time is willing to, to not only help, but I mean, put, put his work hat on, go out there, meet people, do what he can to raise funds, raise awareness. I mean, it's just like, you, you don't hear that from somebody who's, you hear that people who have time on their hands, not somebody who is ridiculously busy with a job that is one of the hardest to do. Yeah, and he's a character like like David. If you if you cover the Panthers with any regularity, uh, as I know you do, you will argue with Bill Zito. <laughs> the man loves to argue. I, I think he I think for him it it is just a normal form of conversation, and to the point where you'll you'll be halfway into a conversation, you'll be like, "Why the hell am I arguing this? I don't even believe this. How did I get here? Where we're just going back and forth about stuff? What? How did I end up here?" Um, and and he's um, he's pretty resolute in his opinions on things, and so that can lead to some. It's never, I mean, I hell, I, Doug McLean was the GM here. Um, it's nothing like that. None of those fireworks. Um, but yeah, he loves a good good argument, a good contentious argument, and and you have disagreements all the time over, over what players will likely make all you got to do to get his attention someday is predict what a player should make with his next contract. And if it's out of line with what Bill Zito makes, you're going to get an earful. Um, Cause he's, he feels, he feels not only, he is obviously experienced and informed, but his opinion, sometimes I think he loses, <laughs> loses sight that his opinion is his opinion and is not his own fact. Um, so it can be interesting and it can be, it can be fun, but he, he cares passionately about what he does in all aspects and, and you can't, you cannot observe him in the job he does without recognizing that. Over the last few days, obviously I, I've been inundated with all the reasons that Bill deserves the job and why he will excel and, and, you know, all the positive things that go with that. But can you think of a, something that he perhaps will, will need to work on or something that isn't as perfect as everybody seems while we're all wearing our rosy colored glasses right now? Well, I mean, I don't know who else. I think, I think running a front office in the NHL now is so, it's so different than it was even 15 years ago that you need um, experts in their field to sort of break up what used to be the entire job of the GM, right? And so Zito is a contract negotiator for sure. Um, I think he can do other parts of the job as well. I do. But the job is so big now that, that I, I think each front office needs to have other people that can do other big things. So, you know, he wasn't the GM here, but he negotiated most of the contracts. Yarmo Kekalainen and turned that over to him. Um, he's not the CBI, CBA guy in Columbus. That was Josh Flynn. 
it is Josh Flynn who now will do some of the contracts. So I don't know what the rest of the Florida uh, front office makeup looks like. Maybe Bill will bring some guys in with him. I do think the relationships with players that I, I, if I have one concern and I'm a Florida Panthers fan, it is the idea that contract negotiations in Columbus became personal very frequently personal and you can say it's just business but there are times where it got really really personal with some of their best players um that that's a, a rough edge that probably could use um some some softening would benefit the panthers if there was a way to, to soften that we all live and we all learn i'm sure the first contract negotiation you do in the nhl with a big time player is unlike any other you'll do. So, so maybe that will get better in Florida. Um, but it, they, the Blue Jackets absolutely have a reputation if you talk to agents around the game. Um, not saying they're unfair, but saying that it becomes personal in Columbus and that they can be difficult to deal with. Um, so that's one thing to look out for. Well, Aaron, uh, I'll leave it there. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I really appreciate uh, you taking a little bit with me today and just kind of providing this insight. And uh, for, for, for all your knowledge, really, I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, well, thanks for asking me, David. I appreciate it. And good luck to your Dolphins this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Hey, we got Tua, so certainly uh, better than it was a few years ago. But South Florida, we're always kind of uh, trying to play that comeback card other than the Miami Heat. It can't be easy. It can't be easy. Uh, it's all good, man. But, but again, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to uh, keeping in touch uh, over the, well, the rest of this season and, and moving on to next year. So thanks sure. again, man. Sounds good. Thanks, David. Now, finally, who better to discuss Florida's new GM than one of his closest friends in the world? Now, if not for his rapport with Blue Jackets general manager Jarmo Kekalainen, Zito may never have made the transition from sports agent to hockey executive. Kekalainen has been one of Zito's biggest fans and has done everything in his power to help and prepare him to be an NHL GM. And I had the chance to chat with Yarmo about his buddy and get his take on why Zito is the right man to take the Panthers to the next level. All right, joining me now is uh, Columbus Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. Um, Yarmo, first off, thank you for taking a few minutes and joining me today to, to talk about your friend Bill Zito. The first thing I wanted to say, just obviously it has to be bittersweet for you. You know, not only you're losing a, a valuable part of your front office, but also somebody who's a very close friend of yours. And while you knew this day would come, like, what were you thinking when Bill was officially hired away from you by the Panthers? Well, it was sort of uh, one of those where I knew it was coming and, and sort of had to kind of brace myself into it, knowing that it was going to happen sooner rather than later uh, because he had had so many interviews He's definitely qualified. He was ready to take the next step without any question in my mind. So in my mind, I'd been do, doing some preparations and, and yes, it was bittersweet, but I'm very happy for him and he's, he's going to do a great job there. Now you guys go back a long time from his days uh, as an agent, maybe even before that, I, I'm not totally sure there, but w when would you say you first realized he'd, he'd be good front office material? Yeah, we go way back. We met first time in 1995, uh, world championships in stockholm and uh, we decided to uh sort of start a partnership with the uh agent business that i had in, in europe and him working in north america and helping each other out me uh, recruiting finnish clients and him taking care of business on this side being being an attorney and all that and 
And uh, you know, I, I moved quickly to the front office working in Finland, but uh, he, he continued and built a very successful agent company. And, and we worked together. I had some of his players and, and, and had a very trusting relationship when don't always have that with the, uh, with the agents that you work for. But I, I kind of uh, gained uh, a lot of respect for his hockey opinion and, and he was never trying to oversell guys. And, and the one thing I really liked about him as an agent was that he wasn't sugarcoating any of the messages to his clients just because they were clients. If, if they needed to look in the mirror, he would tell them that. And, and it was straight goods from Billy to, to even his clients who were paying his bills. So I really respected that. And as soon as I got this job and it, it became a reality where we could work together, you know, he was one of my first calls and, and he came on board uh, the first summer after uh, I completed the uh, shortened 12, 13 season here. I got hired in February and we hired Billy the next summer. So yeah, he was definitely one of my first calls. We had talked about it several times. If, if there was ever an opportunity to work together in the National Hockey League, we, we would do that. And uh, yeah, that was one of my first moves. And it, and it turned out to be a great one because he was a big part of everything we have done here in the past seven years. And, and uh, he's going to be a great general manager. Was it a hard process getting him to transition from agent to executive? Or was that just kind of like you made the call and he's like, all right, I'm in? Well, I think it was, it was a little bit hard because he built a big business and he had to uh, take care of all of that, how, how uh, he had to sell it to the, uh, the people that he was working with. And, and obviously, uh, we had to negotiate a contract and make sure that it was, uh, it was worth his while uh, financially, too, to move to the other side. But he did want the challenge. He wanted to work in the National Hockey League. So it was fairly easy, but, but uh, there, there was a few hurdles we had to get through and over before... Um, he could make that decision, but uh, I knew his mind was was set on on moving to this side uh, right from the uh, even before I had the job. He uh, made it very clear to me that that was his goal, and and uh, you know right from the start when he started working with us, I had promised him that I'll do anything I can to help him become a general manager, which, which was his career goal. And now he's uh, he's there, and and uh, and I'm excited for him. Now, you mentioned like the business side of it, and he actually has a pretty good reputation as a really savvy business guy, talented negotiator, which obviously uh, he did for you guys. Um, what, what really kind of I had to learn about as I kind of went to Bill Zito's school over the last uh, week and a half is that from a very young age, uh, he's, he's a hockey guy at heart. He's been playing hockey, he coached hockey, and he really knows the game. So I just found that interesting considering he seems to have built up such a businessy reputation, but he's really a hockey guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's one thing that I've told everybody who's asked me about Billy is that don't get fooled by the, uh, the law, law degree and the agent business back, background. He's, he's coached in hockey. He's played college, Division One college hockey. He played in Europe. Um, and and um, you know, he's, he's done it all in hockey. He's been involved with Team USA. He was doing each area of our hockey department uh, or hockey operations here in Columbus from I moved him from amateur scouting to pro scouting to negotiations to, to uh, you know, building good relationships with our players. So he's, he's done it all and he knows what it takes to be a, a general manager for sure. Now, one of the things that I've kind of learned about him is that he, he constantly sets and achieves goals for himself. And it's interesting that he's coming to perhaps one of the most difficult jobs that there could be in the NHL, taking the snake bit for the Panthers and trying to turn them into a success. How does that kind of challenge suit someone like Bill? Oh, he, he'll be right up for it. He's, he's, he likes challenges and he's a very hardworking guy. 
you'll get an email from him at 4.30 in the morning and and there he is up up uh, late at night watching the games too. So I don't know when he gets his rest. I, I, I could never get by with that little rest and sleep, but uh, he's a relentless worker and, and he, he loves the game. He loves the loves being around the team and, and um, he'll do everything in his power to, uh, to do a good job for the Florida Panthers for sure. Uh, and the last thing I want to ask you, certainly you don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, you obviously know the lead, you know, the teams around the lead pretty well. How do you think uh, Bill and everything that he brings to the table can help the Panthers and maybe get them to the next level that they've been struggling to reach for so long? Well, I think he, he is, uh, like I said, he's a relentless worker and, and he'll, he'll bring a lot of different areas of knowledge into that organization. He's, he's done a good job with us for, with the pro scouting, organizing it. He's, he's a tremendous negotiator when it comes to contracts and, and a savvy businessman. But he's also got a great eye for talent when, it, when, when we watched uh, some of the amateur prospects and, and prospects of the other teams for trades and, and he's a good, good evaluator. So he's, he's, he's going to bring a lot. He's, he's, uh, he's always uh, willing and curious to learn different things. If, he, if, he, if there's a side of hockey business that he feels that he's not um, real good at yet, he wants to get great at that area too. He's not just uh, satisfied on being, being good at one thing. He wants to do it all. The open-mindedness maybe not something that is as common among uh, general managers as it should be, but it's refreshing to hear it. Um, and I'm sure it'll be welcome down here in South Florida. Um, Jarmo Kekalainen, thank you so much for taking a few minutes with me and uh, just giving us a little bit of information about uh, the Panthers' new general manager, Bill Zito. So thank you. My pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for episode 23 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I really hope that you have a better understanding of the man hired to make the most important hockey decisions for the Florida Panthers for the next several years. I'd like to thank Allison Lukin, Aaron Portsline, and Yarmo Kekalainen for joining me, and please make sure to give them all a follow on Twitter. Also, you can check out Aaron and Allison's amazing podcast, Front and Nationwide, which covers all things Blue Jackets, and also the Too Many Men podcast, which Allison co-hosts with the equally talented and amusing hockey journalists Sarah Sivian and Shana Goldman. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Chirping the Cats, and if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button, give a good rating, and feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, at David's Work, and let me know what you think. Until next time, be well and stay safe.